0: dropping my mouth, and my apologies. <laughs> but I'm dealing with some throat stuff, so hopefully it stays there. <laughs> Don't worry, y'all, far enough away. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have a to-do list? Oh, nice. What do you use? Paper, you use your phone, post-its. That's one of my favorite things is post-its. They can go everywhere. You stick to your to-do list. Right? Have you ever ordered things and you stick with it? So this is number one, this is number two. I read one place saying that if you get three things accomplished each day, that should be a good thing. Three things, are you kidding? I gotta get like six or seven done. Three things. So I think we would all agree, we could probably all say, hey, yes, this has been my list, but then I end up doing this, right? There's the good Baptist grunt. That's what I wanted to hear. (laughs) Today, this afternoon, uh, still (laughs) morning. In our second session, I want to look at Philippians and look at Paul's, how he chose to do what he did. How did he choose to do what he did? Philippians is a fairly well-known letter. Uh, If you've been in the church at all, or if you haven't, chances are you've heard maybe one verse, maybe you've seen a verse in a store that comes from Philippians. There are several passages. Philippians 2 is the passage that talks about Jesus being all God and all man and how he humbled himself. Chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And here in chapter 3, there are also a few. Like verse 14, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the context here in this letter, or for this letter, Paul's writing to the Philippian believers, and he's writing, his writing is really a lot of encouragement. There's no finger pointing or finger wagging here in this letter. It's very much... uh, an encouragement. He starts with thanks. Let me give you the letter in brief. right? He starts with thanksgiving. Talks about the gospel. How it's been spreading. He encourages them to keep living right and to follow Jesus' example of humility before, wa- before a watching world around them. He has a personal section about the health of a couple of people that they know. And it seems as though he's going to wrap it all up when he says... Finally, <coughs> some of you know from your pastor that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so let me read the first 11 verses of chapter 3 in Philippians. Okay, chapter 3, Philippians 3. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. Finally, my sisters makes it a little more pertinent. (laughs) Finally, my sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the real circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And we could go on and read the rest of the chapter, but I'm going to stop right there. Let's pray before we get started. Father God, come before you and ask. You are more than enough for us today. You already have our day planned. You know exactly what you want us to hear. And so I ask that you would open the ears of our hearts, help us to hear. I thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Help it to go deep in us, that it might take root. We give you praise and thanksgiving. We honor and exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul's reminding them to keep their focus on Jesus and the truth of the gospel. It's a concept he's already stated in the book, in the letter. As particularly pertinent here for these people because there were others that were teaching a false gospel. The gospel is a hot button for Paul. If you've read any of his other letters or if you don't know, let me tell you, it's a hot button. <laughs> If you're in a conversation with Paul and you start talking about the gospel, you can almost see the veins start popping here. (laughs) He's very protective of it. He's very passionate about it. There were people here teaching this group in Philippi the wrong Gospel, a false gospel. And it seems that some of them were believing it. So, let me just pick a a few things out, right? As he's writing, you can hear his passion, you can hear his pursuit here (coughs) in the phrases, like, in order that I might gain Christ, that I may know him, He uses the phrase, I press on, twice. And he also says, one thing I do. One thing. In the midst of all the things he could do, there's one thing. And that's what I want to look at in this session. One pursuit. From the text, there is one thing he is pursuing. Look in those verses 7 through 11, and that's where we find it. Verse 8, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Later in that same verse, that I may gain Him. Verse 10, that I may know Him. Paul's pursuit is knowing Jesus. So, what does it mean to know Jesus? In in the original language, this word, there are several words for know. This word here is to know experientially. This is the normal gaining of knowledge. You acquire it through experience and observation, through the senses. Paul's wanting to learn about. He's gathering information. He's taking mental notes. He wants to be on the same wavelength. (laughs) He wants to get on the same page. He wants to know the heart and mind of Jesus. That's what he's saying. One of the most interesting things to me as I read this is that it's Paul saying this. Of all people in the New Testament, wouldn't you think Paul knew Jesus? After all, he did write a majority of the New Testament books outside of the gospels. He had a face-to-face encounter when he got saved. He was respected leader. He traveled the world teaching the gospel. But he says he's still pursuing. So if it's important to Paul, I think perhaps it, shouldn't be, it should be important to me. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3 and see what Paul says about knowing Jesus. What can we learn here that will help us in our own pursuit? Number one, knowing Jesus begins, ready for this, with knowing Jesus. <laughs> knowing Jesus begins with knowing Jesus through faith. In verses 2 through 9, Paul's warning is that there is only one way, there is only one gospel, and that is the way of Faith. The gospel is not defined in following more rules. It's not about earning it. not about looking good or feeling good or doing good. Knowing Jesus is not, let's be clear, knowing Jesus is not because of me. It begins with my acknowledgement, actually, that I am needy. Desperately needy. I'm a sinner, and I cannot change that situation. I was born that way. It is my nature. That I will die is affirmation or confirmation that I am a sinner. Sin brought death. I sin because I'm a sinner. And sin has a cost, a penalty, and that is death, separation from God for all eternity, here and forever. There's no way for any of us, no way for me, no way for you to ever pay that cost. The real issue of salvation is not that I need a better life. That is a false gospel. The issue is that I need to be saved from my sins. And I cannot do that on my own. But, God made a way. Amen. In Romans, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came to earth, took my sin on himself. He paid the penalty. He paid the full penalty, the penalty that I deserved. He died a cruel, undeserving death. He was buried but three days. Jesus conquered death, and rose again. This is the only true gospel, the only way to know Jesus by faith. By faith in what God, through his son, my savior, Jesus, has done. I don't know him by earning rewards points, (laughs) accumulating credit, doing good things in his name. I don't know him by sitting in church, reading books about him, listening to podcasts and really good speakers talk about him. I don't know him by watching The Chosen. (laughs) I only know him, this kind of knowing, I only know him by faith. That means I know him by believing what the truth says and acting on it no matter how I feel. Knowing God promises a good result. I know him by faith. have a relationship with God because of what Jesus has done only by God's grace not because I added to it I may learn a lot about him without really knowing him Paul's pretty upset now again the letter is an encouragement There is no condemnation here. But the gospel, in the original language, the words he's using here in these first three, four verses, he's pretty sarcastic and coming at them. Not these believers, but the people who are teaching them wrong. Okay, back to what Paul saying. There are impersonators, he says. There are imposters in your midst. And they're requiring these people to know, to do other things to know Jesus. When he talks about the dogs, the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. Basically, he's saying there are some among you who are teaching. You have to follow these rules in order to... To know Jesus. Follow the Jewish law and you will be saved. As well as know Jesus. Paul had some very harsh words for them. More than being just aware that they exist, he says look out for them. Pay attention so you don't get caught. Look There are some people who are going to tell us there are other things that have to happen for you to be saved. Yes, Jesus died for my sins. Yes, you should believe that. Absolutely. And then you should also do this. That is not the right gospel. Now, I'm not saying that doing good things, we're going to get to this, doing good things doesn't matter. But knowing Jesus is his one pursuit. And when I pursue knowing Jesus, being on the same page, that will give clarity to other things. But I can't just say, it's this and this and this and this and this, as though it's all equal, and this is part of my salvation. That is not part of your salvation. It is only that Jesus came and died yes, right. for you. Yes. So, my first question. No, let me, let me say this. Look, it's like a scam. <laughs> Back in, then it, was, it was a scam, you all have had phone... <coughs> <laughs> or you get an email, here's the one of the things I've been getting recently, a lot of emails, right? Thank you for your invoice, your payment of 300 and whatever dollars. If you have any questions, call us at, or please click here and give us everything about you. You do know not to click on that, right? (laughs) But if I'm not paying attention, hear this. If there's a lot going on in your life and you're opening this email and life is busy, you're like, what? Click. Click. attention. There's one pursuit here. What's the scam Paul is writing about? What's he warning them about? That I have a way in myself to get to God. That's what he's saying. This is a scam people. Pay attention to it. So my question to us, to each of you, do you know Jesus? Do you know him by faith? You understand that you're a sinner and that I cannot change that situation. That I need to be saved from my sins and I say, God, I need you. I can't do it. I accept your gift the way that you provided and then he will save. And I invite you, if you've never done that, will you let us introduce you? I would love to. Nothing special about my words even. I mean, you can do it sitting right there. So the first thing, knowing Jesus, starts with knowing Jesus by faith. Second thing, because Paul is saying, this one thing I'm pursuing is knowing Jesus. Number two, knowing Jesus has more value. Knowing Jesus is greater. I say that because of what he says In verse 8, he talks about it being the surpassing worth. Paul's list of accomplishments in verses 4 through 6 is pretty amazing. He had a cultured upbringing. He's from the right family. He had the right schooling. He has the right job title. He lived in the right place. He worked in the right place. His affiliations and his network of business associates were incredible. Then add his accomplishments. They all proved his dedication. Paul's long list of what most would consider the perfect resume seems to be a perfect combination for success. And to those in authority, it was. But Paul knew Jesus is greater. Paul doesn't list all of these things to impress the readers, or in this point, the listeners. He's making a point all of these things might sound good, but in comparison to knowing Jesus, they fall well short. Now, Some of us would say, well, I can't list anything like that in my time, so I'm good with this. However, we do start listing some things. In fact, we pursue trying to put some things on our list. Paul's making a point. Only Jesus. There are plenty of things that we could put on our list. Good jobs, kids that follow Jesus, maybe kids that are successful, a a big house with beautiful landscaping, and social media followers or pictures on social media. The right connections, notoriety. Keep going. Well, we can see Paul's point when we read it, but I'm not sure that we actually see it played out. What is it we are really valuing and pursuing? What is your desire? What's your one desire? God, if this would just work, if I could just do or say or see or have Your one desire, my one desire, should fit with my pursuit. It will. You might say it's one thing, but your pursuit is going to show it. Your pursuit, where you spend your time and your money. Knowing Jesus starts with knowing Jesus by faith. Knowing Jesus has more value. It is greater. Thirdly, knowing Jesus requires sacrifice. Knowing Jesus requires sacrifice. I say that because of these words, Paul uses phrases like, I counted as lost," I count everything as lost that I might gain, that I might know him. This is a larger concept. But let me point out a few particulars, right? The requiring sacrifice. Well, it sounds really great. <clears throat> Let's let me let me pick a pick a few things about this. First of all, it requires effort. Notice the words straining. He says press on twice. Paul of all people hadn't gotten it yet. it's been said that without hard work, nothing grows but weeds. There's a good amen on that one. Right? Winners, winners embrace, this is from my athletic background, winners embrace hard work. They love the discipline of it, the trade-off they're making to win. Losers, on the other hand, see it as punishment. And that's the difference how do you view hardship and sacrifice so that you might know Jesus do you embrace it or is it a punishment what's your perspective on hard work not only does it require effort but there seems to be an implication uh, about the necessity of loss Not just that he lost things, but there's a necessity to be able to gain rather than just adding to what he already had. And this is incredible to me. Paul had all the right things. Why couldn't he just add following Jesus to it? The point is not that you can't have a good reputation or be well-known or have a position of authority in the community. That's not what he's saying. His point here is that those things can't be looked at as the way to know Jesus. Paul talks about the loss as though he had intentionally cleared it gotten rid of it, pushed it aside, because perhaps they were taking him in a wrong direction. Instead of helping him know Jesus, maybe even, and this is the danger in our culture, knowing Jesus, maybe this. Okay, this is not a big deal right now. But if I take this line going this way, and then take this line, where will it end up? All the way over here. It's easy in our culture today to just keep adding to our way of following Jesus. But our culture's way of thinking doesn't always transfer easily. What's important in our culture may not be important in a life Pursuing Jesus. And before we know it, we're thinking spirituality or maturity or growth is determined by or includes things that God never intended. Things like how big your church is, what you wear to church, the number of books you've read, how many people you're discipling this year. I'm not saying that these things are wrong. But they are not equal to knowing Jesus. The danger is that we're confusing the culture and what the Bible has said. Here's here's why I make this association and why I think it's possible. The children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, again, long story short, they're in the wilderness. Moses goes up on the mountain. God calls him up there. I'm going to give you all the law. He's up there for quite a while. The people are all looking around saying, where's Moses? Hey, we need, we need a God. Let's, let's get a God. They melt all their gold, and they poof, according to Aaron, poof, a, a calf comes out. <laughs> so now they've got this calf. Here's what they say. Here's what Aaron says. Tomorrow we will have a feast day to worship Jehovah. Wait, you just made a golden calf and you're calling it God? We look at that and go, oh my goodness. (laughs) The culture they grew up in was all about all kinds of gods. They just put names on them. They had something they could see and worship. They still used the same name, Jehovah, in their mind, no problem. It's the same thing. That's why I say we're missing something. I'm still using the same name, it might look a little different. Well, what's it supposed to look like right here? Is there something that you have grabbed onto that you need to see for what it really is? Number four, knowing Jesus is the pursuit, not. The acquisition. Knowing Jesus is the pursuit, not the acquisition. Let me read verses 10 through 14. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have a tendency to live from task completion to task completion. <coughs> um, this is our mindset. Go to church, make dinner, do laundry, check. Teaching our kids, check. Check doing their home, I mean, helping them do their homework, check, (laughs) setting up a doctor appointment, check, posting on social media, check, loving my husband, check, having coffee with a friend, check, each of these sometimes gets on a to-do list, okay, and we check them off as though they're done, that they're finished, that they're completed. Truth be known, they're not finished. They are ongoing. Paul's view of knowing Jesus is not about completion here. And so it's something he will accomplish to be able to move on to something else. Paul's pursuit is not yet accomplished, and he is working, reaching toward it. The word picture here is like Uh, a runner straining to get through or an archer straining working hard focusing in on the target to hit the target this is the word picture here so let me just make a few observations from this section again we have this idea that it takes effort If I made this whole auditorium a game of duck, duck, goose, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I'm running, running, I'm walking, and I'm touching, and I touch someone's head, right? I touch someone's head and I say, goose, right, what, what's going to happen? I'm just going to get up. You all know this game, right? <laughs> She's going to start chasing me. Now, if I'm smart, before I even do this, I'm taking my shoes off. <laughs> Her goal is to what? To get me before I get back here. She is straining, that's the word. This is what Paul is saying. This is how we should be living toward knowing jesus i am i want this that is the idea it also includes perseverance it's not an easy road verses 15 and 16 he calls them to hold true to what you have attained for in chapter 4 verse 1 Right after this chapter, he says, stand firm. You've got to to include the idea of perseverance. Reaching forward also means letting go of the past. I know that sounds like a Captain Obvious statement. (laughs) But if you think about it, it's quite profound. Reaching forward means letting go of the past. Some will say, oh, Sherry, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. I can't let go of that. You're right. I have no idea what you've done, nor do I want to hear it. (laughs) But God does. God knows. It's too easy for us to quit in our culture today. Look, the point here is not just move past your regrets. Paul is saying you have to keep your eyes forward and keep moving toward Jesus. We aren't there yet. We must not allow the past, good or bad, to inhibit, paralyze us, slow us down, change our direction, or take our attention. The million-dollar question here is why? What is worth all the effort? Paul says, for the prize of the upward call of God, the finish line is the eventual finish line of this life. This is his hope. Paul is implying here also that there is something very satisfying about finishing well. The acquisition is in the process. His emphasis is on the maturing, the process, based on the truth of the gospel. Verse 17, brothers, sisters, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body in the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. We've already established Paul was pursuing Jesus, knowing him. Now, he finishes this portion of his letter calling his readers to live out what God is doing in them. Too many people that Paul knew had turned their backs. They were pursuing other things. People, professions, money, jobs, stability, financial stability, popularity. Instead of counting them as loss, and those pursuits had gotten the main attention of their life. And now, they were called enemies of the cross. This is where they ended up. I doubt any of these people set out to have the title enemies of the cross. None of them were hoping to receive that certificate in the mail with a letter congratulating them on their achievement. So how did it happen? Their pursuits had taken them that direction. Their pursuits were their own success, their own glory, satisfying their own desires. Their minds focused on getting what they wanted or what the culture around them had told them <coughs> they needed to have. They had lost what was most valuable and what was most important. They lost sight of the pursuit of knowing Jesus. It wasn't just by faith. It came about their faith and what they did. Jesus wasn't more valuable. Jesus wasn't worth the sacrifice if we're not careful, this can happen to us. If we buy into the lie that the biggest problem in life is outside of myself, my biggest enemy are those guys, that group, that political party, those rowdy teenagers. My biggest problem is me and my sin. And only grace has the power to rescue you from you. Make no mistake, doing is not knowing. Knowing Jesus begins with knowing Jesus through faith. Knowing Jesus has more value or is greater Knowing Jesus requires sacrifice, and knowing Jesus is the pursuit, not the acquisition. It's the intentional pursuit, choosing what will help your learning curve. Putting yourself in a place where God can do his work in you and submitting to that process. Knowing Jesus results in maturity. Desiring Jesus results in stability. Knowing Jesus results in maturity. So are you pursuing knowing Jesus? We should be able to see that because we see the results of maturity. Do you know Jesus? Do you value Jesus. Does knowing Jesus include sacrifice and effort for you? And are you daily pursuing him? Letting him change you from the inside? Paul had one pursuit knowing Jesus. Seems pretty radical. Francis Chan in his book says what Jesus, what the world calls radical today Jesus required of his disciples every day. What was their one, think about it, what was their one thing, they're one pursuit. Well, in that time, if you followed someone, that rabbi was everything to you. You hung on every word, he said. You wanted to know everything about him. Look, the one person comes and says, I want to follow you. Jesus says, I don't even have a place to sleep right now. We want to know everything. I'm not saying give up your job, leave your family, So I can pursue... No, no, no. Jesus has put you, God has put you in this place. How are you handling it? What's most important? And he may use your job title and your uh, opportunities and network. He may use that. Absolutely. But that should not be our focus. Does it help you pursue... Jesus. Paul had one pursuit. He's encouraging these people. Come on. Come on. Let's go get him. Let's go. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your grace in our lives. You took care of our greatest problem. And now I want to know you. Sometimes everything else that's going on in life confuses me. Help me to sort through that. Help me to value you most. And pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen.